Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Weekly Scramble, a place where we chat about life over a cold one or two. It's time to belly up to the pod with Mike Fratelloni and your host, Chris Reavers. Yes, sir. It's time for the Weekly Scramble. My name is Chris Reavers. By my side, his name is Mike Fratelloni with Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores. Hello, Michael. How you doing, Reavers? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, There's a number of topics that I want to discuss with you today. And it's always interesting because when we do this show together, we really don't have a, not, not necessarily we don't have a plan, but we kind of just go through a number of topics because of of stuff that we find interesting, yeah. right? So there yeah. isn't really we a path, we but we eventually get there. Is I guess prep. what I'm trying to say. Um, the first story that I wanted to get to the uh, the Boeing 737 mm-hmm. story, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 bringing it up. We did discuss it briefly on Garage Logic today. Um, because Joe was a little bit under the weather, okay. So I wanted to uh, uh, go into it in much greater detail sure. with you because you travel quite a bit. Well, and I'm an aviation geek. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. why. I know you're you listen to several podcasts about aviation. Yeah. So for those of you uh, unfamiliar, an Alaskan Airlines flight had the it's the emergency exit door, correct, in the middle of the plane that sixteen thousand feet up in the air just blew out, blew out, and. Yeah. Miraculously, nobody died. Yeah. There was one kid who had the the shirt basically tore off of him and mm-hmm. sucked through the uh, sucked through the hole. But I think he ripped it off himself to look cool, probably because he was like, "Yeah." But the I'm going to repeat it. Um, our buddy Mike Zipko sent me a great photo that I put out on social media, and it just says, "When one door closes, another one opens." Yeah, Boeing, <laughs> Boeing. You know, yes. copyright Boeing. Anyway. Um, Joe had asked this before, and we really didn't get into it in great detail, but I have a a working theory. Okay. And it's because we've seen, to a certain degree, standards just kind of being lowered. I've seen it firsthand on a number of fronts, whether it's um, different lines of work, Mm -hmm. whether it's just quality in general. It's, well, look at me. I, I'm not capable of doing this job, but yet they keep me <laughs> you, around. You've here. reduced the standards here at yeah. Harvard. Okay. So, but but I think that that plays a role in this. You think so? I do because I've I've witnessed how companies are choosing. Certain companies are choosing to do business, whether it's the newspaper industry, for okay. instance, or everyone is looking to cut as many corners as possible, and that's completely within their right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the airline industry is immune from that. In fact, we saw that Ugh. when it comes to COVID, where basically all flights were, for what, 
the better part of a year, if not two, where flights were super cheap because no one was getting on airplanes for a while. And now we've seen the surge in flights now coming back and prices going through the roof because they're trying to make that money back from a couple of years ago. Anyway, the floor is yours, sir. See, I would argue that point with you. All right. That's why we're here. I think that's a totally different industry. Right. Okay. You and so think of Boeing and the, the history of Boeing. Right. It used to be called "If it's not Boeing, I'm not going." Right. <laughs> so that was the, that was the big that. thing. Right. right. You never heard that. No. If it's not a Boeing jet, I'm not taking it. People okay. people said that, and the reputation and the potential loss to Boeing from these this door popping out is billions of dollars. You don't cut a corner on production because you got to remember, they're not making 30,000 planes. They're making handfuls of planes, hundreds of these planes. They have to be perfect. And I could see them cutting some corners like, hey, we're going to not have them have to do this million dollars worth of training because they don't want to spend that. So we're going to maybe let that. But it's just in aviation, everything is checked. Everything is double checked. That's why I think this is such a weird, weird thing. Mm-hmm. That door was not produced by Boeing. It was produced by a third party company, right? Okay. That installed that thing in there and it popped out, which is super rare. Right? Incredibly rare. You don't see that happen. We have years, Reverse, that in the entire world, there's no commercial deaths in aviation. Think of that. Hmm, That's a good point. You know, like, I mean, millions of people are flying. Millions of flights are happening. And not one person died from a, you know, an errant crash or something. And there's been years where it's just not happened across the world. So I I don't think they are that loosey-goosey with, let's trim some corners and let's see how many planes fall out of the sky. Okay. Because all it has to do is happen, you know, one more uh, 737 MAX issue where a couple more of these planes go nuts and they can't control their aileron or whatever it is and dig into the ground. Boeing's gone. They're done. And you take a multiple billion-dollar company with billions of dollars worth of sales and billions of dollars worth of assets and have them go away? I just don't believe it. Okay. I think it's it's something so specific. The the pilots. If you do you know many pilots? I know one. You know one. So I knew a guy who uh, was a pilot for years. And one time I was sitting in his office and he had a bathroom, an ensuite bathroom in his office. How cool is that, right? Yeah. And the cleaning guy came in and he said, hey, hey, John, come over here. Let me show you something. He went into the bathroom <laughs> his with name this was guy. John. Yeah, he went out, yeah, just a coincidence. <laughs> Walked into the bathroom. He said, uh, John, you can see there's urine on the toilet seat here. Um, each time you come in, you have to really make sure that there's no urine on the toilet seat. Make sure you flip it up and, and do all this thing. It was the most specific instructions I've ever seen a man give another man about a job of cleaning a toilet, right? It was, and he was doing it totally respectfully, but he talked to this guy about his expectations about what he wanted this toilet to look like 24 seven, right? And the guy understood and he left. So that guy is the kind of guy I think pilots are. They really want to know what they're doing. They really want to inspect, you know, their pre flight checklists, all the stuff they have to do. And I can't fathom that engineers that are building these planes are any different. I just don't, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I think this is a problem for Boeing. I think nothing, I mean, many things could happen much worse for Boeing right now. Like the plane could have fallen out of the sky, right? Sure. That's a, that could have. Which that, that still is astounding to me that no one was really injured in this. Lucky that happened at 16,000 feet instead of 34,000 feet. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you, you know, a door can pop open at 34,000 feet, suck the air out of the cabin. Hopefully the pilots get a chance to get their, uh, you know, their masks on. No one else is really going to be able to do it. It's instantaneous. The wind's blowing so hard. It's sucking the mass out the window, yep. you know, all that stuff. And then you descend from 34,000 to 10,000 as fast as you possibly can. You know what that might feel like? That would be a scary situation, right? Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, okay, wait, 
we're cruising. I'm checking on my phone because I'm I'm in airplane mode and I'm just looking at stuff. And now I'm going from thirty four thousand feet to ten thousand in a minute. Whew. That would be that would be frightening. That would be frightening. Get your that, tickets no now. You, no wonder you drive everywhere. Yeah, that's what, exactly why I, I would prefer to road trip. Think, no one's. I mean, people die in plane crashes all the time, right? But it's usually general aviation, not commercial aviation. I, okay. I don't know. And I don't, I'm not an expert, but I spend about three hours a day listening to podcasts about aviation. <laughs> well, that's why I wanted to bring it up <laughs> with you because I knew, I knew that you would have thoughts on this and you would have some a, a, a bit of background on this I to, have a story to provide for you some that insight. I want your background okay, please. On. Um, Tiger Woods ending his 27-year relationship with Nike. Mr. Money Talk and I discussed this earlier today, and, you know, I don't know how I feel about this, I'll be perfectly honest, and, and I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to have an opinion, but sometimes it's it's almost like a great relationship that both parties were extremely happy with. Mm-hmm. Okay, for years, you sold us, or you sold for us, so much merchandise, Absolutely. so much equipment, mm-hmm. so much everything, and now it's just time for Tiger to focus on the the, the Tiger Woods brand itself. Okay, because he's now in in that almost post playing portion of his career mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, great relationship, great job, wish you nothing but the best. That's what it kind of seems like to me. But why do you think Tiger was being too uh, greedy? Because Michael Jordan hasn't played basketball for years, right? No, I I think it's more of a case of. Well, we need to. It, we're Nike. Mm-hmm. We we can't keep worrying about a fifty year old, you know, former top of the world golfer. Because let's be honest, he, yes, he's still. Anytime he's participating in an event, sure. it automatically is going to get you know infinitely more people watching it. I I get yeah. all of that, but. They've got to find the next, not that they're going to, but they got to find the next Tiger Woods that's going to be able to sell them product for the next 20 years. There will never be another Tiger Woods. Of course Woods. not. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. you see what I'm saying? Sure. Instead of worrying about, you know, because I'm sure there's a pretty significant price tag that comes along with Tiger Woods endorsing your product. Well, over the last Even 27 still at this years, age. yeah, 27 years, they predicted you made about $550 million bucks from their <sighs> Nike camp, you know, their Nike uh, partnership, okay. which is pretty impressive. That's, yeah. you know, that's a lot of money. That's just a lot of money. It's yeah. not, it's not Jordan money, but it's a lot of money. It's not Shohei, or sorry, Shawai Watt and I <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. And, you know, I do think Nike's not known for golf, right? It's well, in not, fact, did they not, you, you'd know this, did they not stop Production of all their clubs. Years How ago. long ago was that? Fifteen years ago. Oh, or so it's been a long, while. long, long time. Okay, so their it has been a every, while. In every blue moon, I'll find a Nike ball, and I'm thinking that ball's fifteen years old. Balls don't last that long. Okay, FYI. So that's probably just not a uh, routine player. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's somebody. Got that's it. a guy who brings a, me. a bag of Ziploc balls yeah, that he you. found underwater at ten years old. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I found that really interesting. I think he's still. One of the biggest and best athletes in the world. He is maybe the most dominant athlete in the history of all sports. Like, no one's ever done anything even remotely close to what he's done in a game that you do by yourself. Okay. Right? I think Michael Jordan is, of course, the GOAT and the best of the best and a whole different breed of person, right? Seven championships. But it's, it's different it's when you're involved with team sports in that you have other people that you not only do you need, but you can help elevate the play of. Whereas, in golf, it's just it's you. you. It's just and you. you're playing the field. Yeah. yeah, and you have to remember, <laughs> so to speak, when you're sitting there and you're trying to win the Masters, but the girl at the Applebee's you met earlier that day for <laughs> breakfast is hot and heavy. You got to have that on your mind. You have yeah. to think she gets off at eleven. I got to make it back to that Applebee's, <laughs> right? So you have to play fast. I'll never forget. I'll never forget 
when the Ryder Cup was here in that was 2016, right out at, out in Chaska. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, so it's yeah. it's here in 2016, and I'll never forget because I had never, not only have I, had I never covered a golf event, mm. and I'm using that term covered very loosely, yes. <laughs> but I had never been to a golf. I'd never been to a significant golf event before. Okay. I mean, I know the sport very peripherally, but sure. I don't I don't know it. The ins and outs, like like you and Joe and Pat, I have no idea. I'm, you know, it was fun. It was it was a cool yeah. event to be at. But I'll never forget seeing him from basically our distance. So mm-hmm. I, he, I, I, because I had a press credential, so we we're allowed to walk inside the ropes in which certain is cool, areas, yeah. which is which is pretty yeah. cool. And he was not was he he wasn't a captain, but he had a, he had a role with Team USA. Yeah, was he not captain? He might not have been that year. I can't yeah. remember, but mm-hmm. uh, no, because I think it was Davis Love the Third. because okay. Royce went on it, because Royce absolutely D-Love. cannot yeah. stand Davis Love the Third. so he kept screaming, go Europe, okay. in the media tent oh, good. while we were doing the show, good, good. because that's Patrick. <laughs> that's why I love him. Um, but he had a role. I don't know if it was just, you know, he was an assistant, whatever, whatever the case was. But I remember him standing there on the practice screen, and I was walking by, and, you know, not... Stopping, hey, how are you? Yeah, uh, yeah. But but it was I. I remember glancing at him, and if I hadn't known it was Tiger Woods, because this was 2016. You know, he had been sure. through what he went through in 20. Was it 2010 yeah. with all the stuff with the with, with former Mrs. Woods? Yeah, he's in and then he 40s. had all the physical stuff that yeah. what that happened, and he just looked he he didn't look like Tiger Woods. Really? Yeah, it was it was weird because he kind of had the. The, the balding head, yep. and he was watching. I think it was Jordan Spieth putting. Okay, um, and it was just it was just weird because it's like, wait, that's Tiger Woods. That's Tiger Woods, and here and it was kind of a cloudy day, kind of dreary a little bit. And I'm just thinking, this is weird. You didn't cry then? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it was more just it, it was surreal. Like that, it didn't. You know, when you think you meet somebody like that of sure. that stature, it's going to be whoa. But it wasn't like that to so me at all. You're saying he fell a little bit from grace in your mind. I wonder if he's fallen enough from but grace. Didn't he though come back to win the Masters? Yeah, he did. He had a great, great comeback. Like what, twenty nineteen or something like that? Whatever. You're, you're making Sorry. me guess. Sorry. So what's really important is has he fallen far enough from grace? Does he need a sponsorship opportunity so badly that he'll be at the golf show with us oh. two Fridays from now? <laughs> Do you think there's a chance we could get Tiger there? That's a good point. I'm not saying Tiger is going to be there. I'm not saying that, and you probably but I'm not shouldn't. Saying he's not going to be there, right? I mean, we don't. <laughs> That's a hell of a know. promo. I don't know if he could. I, so, um, can we break the news that we're going to be at live at the golf show? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, do you know the details? Uh, I do. It's the uh, it, it's the golf show that we've done every single year uh, out at the Minneapolis Convention Center. It's actually kind of a fun event, and I'm not like a again. I'm not the world's biggest golf fan, but if you are, here's why it's a cool event. And uh, our former colleague, um, Scott Korzanowski, always pointed this out. And Scott's a golf nut. Okay. And he would tell me, he said, Reeves, if you are a golf person, this is the place to come. I buy all my shirts here. Mm-hmm. I buy all my, He buys all of his golf stuff sure. there. And I remember, again, the year, uh, the golf show after the Ryder Cup. So this would have been the following year in 2017. I got so much cool. Hazeltine Ryder Cup, Cup gear yep. from that event. Yep. It was really cool. All marked down. And, oh, yeah, yeah. It, at a fraction of the price. Because yep, yep. I remember thinking, well, I got to buy a shirt out here. It's like $87 yeah, yeah, for like, a t-shirt. I'm not, I'm not to, doing I'm that. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not doing that. So yeah. I got a really cool hooded sweatshirt for like 20 bucks. Yeah, perfect. You know, it was awesome. No um, one cares. Anyway, no but yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I, I always look forward to it. I know we'll follow Garage Logic um, that, particular, that particular day. 
um, at the golf show. So it'll be and a lot of fun. And if you're a member of the Frat, frat Pack 5000, <laughs> yes. I'll buy you a beer there. Could I share with you a really funny yeah, story? Yeah, I want to hear this. So earlier today, um, Joe wasn't was a little under the weather. He was playing hurt today. Okay. So he pretty much took off right away. Oh, really? Um, okay. And so we're just sitting around, chumming around. I'm posting the show. I'm doing this. And we're just... BSing about whatever. And Johnny Height, newsman on Garage Logic, says, Hey, um, have you guys noticed this weird activity on Facebook? And I said, What are you talking about? He said, Well, the last couple of weeks, I'm all of a sudden getting just a ton of friend requests from people that I don't really know personally, but I noticed they're friends with, you know, you and Rook and 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 Fratelloni. And I said, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I said, Well, John, about a month or two ago, Mike set out on this quest. And he's calling it the Frat Pack 5000. And John said, oh, he is. Yes. And I said, yes, yes. So that's probably why, because most likely the people that listen to our show yeah. are most likely fans of Garage Logic. And so when they're hearing you uh, put out the bat signal to get all these new people, they're saying, well, you know what? As long as I'm going to friend Mike and Reavers, I might as well go ahead and friend Rook and Johnny. And well, Kenny doesn't have Facebook, but yeah, doesn't, does doesn't he have Facebook? Because I, no. I, I have a Kenny Olson. That's as a my listener. Uh, that's it a is. listener, Kenny Olson. Okay. Yes, yes. Because he says something about GL yeah. in his name too, and it made me surprised. No, but it's not our Kenny Olson. Okay, it's not it's, our it's, Kenny Olson. It's a loyal GLer by the name, but who just so happens to have the same. I name, do so. know that um, it's resonating with people. Yes, I'm very excited because I, I, I really did this, and I want to just explain this again. I did this because I want to get more buddies. Buddies meaning guys or girls, right? Yep. Not anything inappropriate with girls, but it doesn't have to be just guys. Yep. But I want to know that when I go someplace, I want to be able to pick out the people that I know that are like-minded people that are GLers, that are weekly scramblers, that, that people I, I know I've pre-qualified as friends. Oh. And it is resonating with people because a lot of guys are saying, hey, yeah, I don't have a bunch of buddies. And if you come up to Glencoe or if you go up to North Shore or if you're in Plymouth, come see me. And really, really some sweet people. And I, I made the joke about like, you know, because I put everybody in a spreadsheet, right? I know everybody's number. <laughs> so so people, are, people are asking me. My wife happens to be number 420, which is weird. Mm. My buddy Tim Morrow's number one, right? I, he was my first Facebook friend. What number am I? Uh, I'll have to look that up. Okay. I can look that up. I'd as, like as, to know. As we, as, yeah. Because I, I have to be, be in the early stages. You have to be early. You have to be, you might even be in the low, f- <gasps> you might be before my wife. And Do I have... Am I, I can't be single digits, but am I in the double digits? No, you you're you're in the. Am I triple? I think you might be triple digits. Okay, I, 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 I don't I can know to tell you the truth. I'm going to have to look you up real quick. I'll All look right. that up. But it, it's uh, so you know, send me a DM. I'd love to get five thousand friends. It's going to take a little while, so we're going to talk about this a little bit. I'm hoping that some point in time we can figure out a way to get shirts that say says Frat Pack <laughs> five thousand, okay. and then have a little spot where you write your my name. number is. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Sure. And then you know, it's. I even thought about this. I'm like, too bad GL didn't do this thirty years ago, because oh I could have been I could have been number eight thousand then or whatever, and then a new guy. Is number you know eight hundred forty thousand. But today. do the numbers then recycle? Because sadly, you know, we'll get you know Great Living American. They don't recycle. We'll get you you put them in your will. So okay, let's just say, God forbid, we we happen to lose a GLer because that does yep, happen. We'll, we'll, we'll yep. get an email from someone that says, "Hey, my dad loved your show. Mm-hmm. Just want to let you know, um, we lost him over 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 the week or whatever." So does that number then go back in, or does no. everyone get bumped up? Or I think that number should then stay with. That particular person for eternity. Yeah, they, they give it like they would pass their good or bad debt down to their kids. They would also get the good or bad number that they had from the fat, See, Frat Pack 5000. I think that the number should stay with that particular. If you want to join, that's fine. 
But oh, that particular oh, number should, should go. St- it no. should be inherited to the kid. No, God, no, no, okay, no, so no. It's just, it's just posthumously kept to that person. Yeah, it's almost so. For instance, um, one of the greatest bars ever, the Old Town Tavern, yep. Morristown, Minnesota. I know you've never been, no. but I still have a mug there. Oh, I haven't been. Okay. I haven't set foot in that place sure. in probably a decade. But that's. I don't care. That's your. That's, that's my your mug, mug okay, yeah. so hanging think, on the wall. Well, as far as the Frat Pack Five Thousand goes. Hashtag Frat Pack 5000. As, as <laughs> trademark far as that goes, pending. Yeah, trademark <laughs> pending. That, um, you keep that number forever. Okay. Right? And I'll give it to you. And when we go out places, you tell me it. And, and I met some Frat Packers. Like, we, I was out at a place. A guy came up to me and said, you Mike Fratelloni? He said, yes. And we were at a, another high school event, a volleyball event, so we couldn't do anything. Okay. And, and just cool. And I thought, I even said to the guy, you want to sit next to me? And he's like, sure. When we sat and watched volleyball, I was like, this is great. Yeah. This is what it's... And, and, and then if we needed whoops my ass... I got a guy right next to me. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Because if some, something went down, not that I think anything's going to go down, right? But if there was a bad call made and I needed to rush a referee, yeah. he would have backed me up. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> he would have said, yeah. Uh, I'm here. Let's go. It's go Let's time. Go. I'll, I'll attack that ref. Um, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but you mentioned um, uh, a high school event. I have to uh, make a quick mention. So my son, my oldest son, was playing in a basketball tournament this past weekend. It was a one-day tournament. On Saturday, and we were in the, there's a name for it, the New Prague Winter Invitational, I believe. Ooh, so it was kind of cool. Big, Different, yeah. uh, it was, he was in the sixth grade class, and they won their first two games, and the boys are excited, because we've had kind of a rough, a rough go of it this year. Well, in fact, my, my son's playing organized basketball for the very first time, so he's kind of just learning as we go, just and that's all out. about what sixth grade basketball is supposed to be. Is Absolutely. Just all you're trying to do is get these kids to come back next year, right? And so they win their first two games, and then we realize that we're playing Faribault, Ooh. which is my hometown. Dreaded Faribault. No, but it's here's the problem, though. It's my hometown, okay. which my son is more than aware of, yeah. and it's being coached by a very good friend of mine. Oh, good. So we're, good. we're in this game, and it's, it's fun because their kids are super into it. And then, of course, we ended up losing. We had a good lead, then we lost it late. No. And and my team, my my kids on my team are just they're devastated, right? No. To the point where my buddy who coaches either team came up to me and goes, "Is William okay? How's William doing?" Like he was, are you so, he was not only. I mean, obviously, he was happy that they won, but he was more worried about my kid than anything else. And it's like, okay, this is exactly what I love about sports. Did you say, is William okay? I'm like, he can rub some dirt on it. No, Get well, you know it. what I'm saying. It's, yeah. He was a smart, you because. Know, you know who you are when you're in sixth grade. It's like that's a big deal to you. So anyway, it is a big deal. I just had to share that. It was it was it was a pretty cool like oh okay this is why I drag these kids all over the place to all these different sporting events. You know what all you can time. do though if your kid really has a bad game, right? You can walk him down and say, "Hey, son, you're not very good at this game, but at least your dad <laughs> is number thirty nine in the frat pack 5,000. I could say that. Yes, I could and say you that. are number thirty nine. So I looked. Oh, it up. you just I, looked it up. I just looked it up as you were telling me that story. So I, I not, am below. I'm yeah, double you, digits. You are, you are really low. You are one of my wow. first thirty nine. I mean, that goes way back. I mean, I even have the date. That was ten eight two thousand nine when we became friends on Facebook. And when I say I put this in a spreadsheet, Reavers. <laughs> I put God, it you're not kidding. No, on, on 10-8-2009. So October 8th of 2009. Yep. Wow. So we've known each other now, what, almost 13 years, right? 13 plus yeah, years. Yeah, right, right. I mean, think of that. How, uh, 14 plus years. Wow. That, that is pretty cool. We are, I am so excited about this. Yeah, I can Just tell. go ahead and, uh, on Facebook, Mike Fratelloni, Michael Fratelloni. Yep. Find me. Let's become buddies. Let's go uh, uh, have beers put together. I don't even drink that much, but we can do We can do. Uh, all right. So here's the story that I really wanted to bring up with yes. you. And it comes to us from the Star Tribune. 
Just two weeks remain, Michael. Are you ready for this? Just two weeks remain for you to put in a bid on a luxury British sports car being auctioned off by the Internal Revenue Service. Bidding on the gray two-door 2023 Aston Martin DBII. DB11. Oh, DB11. Can you tell I'm a car guy? With just 282 miles open Monday and closes at 11 a.m. January 23rd, according to the online posting from the IRS office in Bloomington. This item will be sold as is. Where is with no... You can't inspect it. Okay. As to the accuracy of the description and the condition the posting reads, there will be no inspection available. The vehicle, which was seized out of Carver County for non-payment of taxes, has a suggested retail price of $276,786. Bidding started Monday with a $50,000 offer, but quickly escalated as of midday Tuesday morning. That'd be today. The high bid was $170,900, according to GSA Auctions website. Cars of that value don't come on the auction block that often, said Scott Hamilton, a property appra- property appraisal and liquidation specialist for the IRS. I can't recall that we've had a six-figure car like this for auction, he said. Um, I have a couple of questions. Yes. Number one, um, is this something that you would do? Um, I already looked at it because I love that car, but you can't inspect it at all. You don't technically See, that's a, that's, know okay. anything about it. I wanted to right? ask that part of it. With 282 miles, you couldn't even screw it up if you tried in 282 miles, probably. Sure. Right? Unless you just tracked it and just were nuts. Or if you if you knew it was going to go away because you had this IRS debt, you might have just gone out and beat it for 282 okay. miles. So this isn't necessarily even that this particular, whoever owned this, this isn't uh he didn't make payments on the vehicle. This is he owes that much in taxes. Just, uh, they took everything. Yeah. They're just they're okay. you, one thing you can't get away from is is taxes, right? Sure, you have sure. to pay that. So if you don't pay that, I mean that car could be totally paid off. The guy could have paid cash for it. We don't know. But they're taking it, period. Right? Wow. And so I mean, think of that, Reavers. That's a two hundred and eighty thousand dollar car. I wonder what it's gonna sell for. I bet you here's what I bet. Because my like if you're in the realm for that car, if you wanted to go buy one of those. Yep. Is it worth getting a fifty thousand dollar discount on it? I think it has to be a little bit more. I think it's going to go for right around two hundred grand, even though it's worth two seventy six. Yeah, because you still have some unknowns and you can't touch it, right? You have to be able to touch it. So there's and, a lot of trust involved. Yeah, and and today that's two seventy six. That's what they're saying. Yep. But in today's market, you never know. One could be sitting there. A doctor could have bought one with two thousand miles on it, saying, "Hey, I need to get rid of this. I'll take two twenty for it." You never know. Right. Sure. So this one has maybe it will go for a little bit more than what's weird about auctions because I do look at uh, Joe and I are big fans of Bring a Trailer. Yep. That website where you go look at cars. I, I probably spend thirty minutes a day on it, like way too much when I'm sitting there in bed, sure. like thinking about cars. Um, and stuff seems really cheap, and then in the very last hour, that's when the all the money moves in on it. Right? Oh, okay. So right now, so we're same still, thing here. Yeah, we're days away from the money moving in. So maybe it'll be two twenty five, two thirty, but I can't fathom it's going to be anywhere near two two seventy. Why wouldn't you just go buy it at retail someplace? Well, and the other thing that I was wondering about this is there. There's a gentleman I mentioned his name. Uh, where was his name? Where was his name? Um, well, whatever. But there's an entire department of the IRS in which there's seized property yeah. and auction. So I'm thinking. Well, if this is that guy's job, there's obviously an entire department of people who do this very thing oh, yeah. in probably every single state, yep. I would guess. Yep. Or maybe there's one in every county. I have no okay, idea. But now, you live in Carver, right? I did. Okay, you did. There are some massive houses in Carver. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, But kind of people know who those people are, 
right? Who lives out in Carver who hasn't paid their taxes, who has a $300,000 Aston Martin DB, DB11? Who, who are those people? Well, you, you've got to keep this in mind. It's Carver County. Car- Carver County. Oh, so yeah. you're talking Chanhassen. Okay. You're talking so Chaska. Chan- in fact, okay. the big Carver, the okay. big um, Chanhassen Motorplex. Yes. That's where I'm wondering yeah. if this is that where well, this Carver home normally is. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, a good point. Yeah. Well, anyway, but there's there's some there's some decent real estate. Yeah. Oh out yeah. That well, way. I mean Chan and all that stuff. Yeah. Those. I was thinking Carver. I'm like. How many people have $300,000 Aston Martins in Carver? Oh, my God. It's my old neighbor. I mean, maybe they do. I don't yeah. know. So, anyway, I just thought that you'd find that interesting because I certainly did. And I just – I can't believe that there's an – obviously, this just in – the government is a large entity. In fact, you know, yeah. congratulations to them. They're the yeah. only ones that continue to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but th- th- to think that there's an entire department of seized property in which they're just selling this stuff on, on they auction. they money. They're going to get their money, period. There's, that's what's so weird about our president's son. That he owes so much in taxes that he just hasn't paid. It's like the standard guy would have lost his house, would have been in jail. You don't you don't mess with the IRS. You just don't do that. Speaking of that. All right. This from the center of the American experiment. Congratulations are in order for us here in the great state of Minnesota. Oh, it's are you great. ready? I'm so proud are of you us already. ready? Minnesota. That's us, Michael. That's Minnesota. Us now has the highest rate of corporate tax in the United States, as the National Federation of Independent Business explains. As of Jan 1, which my sources tell me was a week ago yesterday, Minnesota's corporate tax rate remains at 9.8%. The previous highest corporate tax rate belonged to New Jersey, where the corporate rate dropped to 9% upon the expiration of a 2.5% surtax on corporate income over $1 million at the end of 2023. And that 9.8% rate applies to the first dollar of taxable income, essentially the profits of corporations. New Jersey's 9.0 rate only kicks in at 100000 This exempts a lot of small businesses in the Garden State, but they find no such relief in Minnesota. Mm. And I ask you, Michael, I ask you, it's crazy. Is this it? something to be proud of? I mean, is I think New Jersey, New York, and, and those those states there yep. on the East Coast are they're having such flight of riches out of the states that right. they they had one person, one guy who took his company out of upstate New York. Yep. It, I might be a little bit off on this, but he was a hedge fund guy. He took his company and his team down to Florida, and this one guy in one company was one percent of the state's budget. Holy cow. And they said, wait, wait. And he's like, Nope, I'm done. I'm not paying this anymore because he was paying like 480 million bucks in taxes to the state a year. Some yeah. outrageous number. Don't quote me on that. I'm just giving you a fat lie sure, number. Sure. Um, but it was so crazy that he did that. And I think New Jersey, something was really interesting about that story is because you talked about a state that had a tax in place, right? New Jersey had a tax in place and it expired and it went away. When was the last time <laughs> that you have heard of a tax going away instead of just being Turned into a water foundation tax sure. or something. You've you got to keep adding this on. It just, yep. they, they keep doing something. I haven't heard. This would be something maybe m- listeners might know this, right? When was the last time in the state of Minnesota we had a tax expire? Like the, the tax for the Metrodome when we built the Metrodome. That's right? still there. I think that's still there. Probably. That's still part of the Minneapolis. So you go into Minneapolis, have a drink, it costs you 11% instead of St. Paul, which is 9%. You know, in Arden Hills, it's 7%, whatever it is. It's like, is that tax for the Metrodome still there? Metrodome's long gone. 
You know, did it just morph into some other thing? Or did it because cause it's what the Minnesota Sports Facilities Commission or whatever yeah. it's called? So would that entity then just still remain, but then be increased because of the the brand new shiny toy that we have now? But I think the my point is that anytime the legislature says this is going to be temporary, it's going to sunset in ten years. Just say shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you, you liar. And if you're dumb enough to believe that it's going to, you shouldn't be in politics. So it's funny you say that because this was probably two weeks ago. I ran into a state legislator that mm-hmm. I know uh, personally, and he's a listener uh, nice. of both our show and of Garage Logic. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you and Joe and you guys are, are, are bringing stuff like this up. And I said, well, you know, we, he said, but I don't think you guys realize just how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean? He said, no, no. The last session, meaning the one where we slam dunked all this yeah, crap through, he said, through, he said, you have, we, our heads were spinning. Like we, what we have to no, we need a discussion here. Nothing. And nobody was listening to anybody. They were just bulldozing this crap oh, yeah. through and yeah. no one was even thinking twice about any Reavers, of it. We're building a $700 million building. So the same outlet, Center for the American Experiment, had a great photo, I believe it was yesterday, for for less than what we're going to spend on this office building, we could have acquired both the Wells Fargo Tower Mm -hmm. and the, what's the other one? The um, the one with the the half moon on the top of it. Anyway, we could have purchased both of those skyscrapers. skyscrapers. In which we could have rented out. The rest of it, we could have actually turned a profit for the, yeah. but no, 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 that's not going to work. Class A office space, too. Just, Perfect office space. It was infinitely more square feet than we need, and we could have bought both of those buildings for that price. What are we doing? And I, I kind of get, and I think I said this on the show before, I kind of get you build a pretty capital, right? Sure. The capital's like our name. It's our Minnesota It's structure. for the people. It's for the people. Yep. But every other office building needs to be not utilitarian, but it needs to be basic, Right, a little bit better than basic, maybe. It doesn't need to be six thousand dollars a square foot. It sure you could doesn't. even you could even build a house at six thousand bucks a square foot. That would be the biggest Taj Mahal house you've ever seen. It's so weird. It's so weird that I think you know what it is, Reavers. What's that? I think people don't know how to do math. I swear to God. No, I just think people just have zero idea. I bet you any here. Here, I, I'm I'm not being facetious. I think if you took all of our members of our legislature. Right. If you took every single one of them and you said, hey, we're going to spend seven hundred million dollars on a 80,000 square foot building. How much is that per square foot? <laughs> I And I'm not kidding. No, I guarantee they could. I guarantee yep. you a, a fairly large portion of the people couldn't figure it out. Right. And and then if you said, OK, we want to lower the square footage by 10 percent and the, the price needs to go down 10 percent. I bet you they couldn't figure that out. And that's basic basic math. And I feel like kind of asking and not asking them on the radio, right? That's hard to do math on the radio, but literally saying, how do you get to pick? How did you say, I'm willing to do this job for whatever they make because I want to be part of the legislature. I want to, I want to help Minnesota, but I can't do basic stuff or I have no logic to see what a million dollars is or $700 million. It's, it's a dereliction of us as citizens that we allow that to happen. Well, and we, we discussed earlier the, the, the Southwest light rail project. It was just updated this morning that we're pushing that now close to three Billion dollars for a rail no one even wants. And someone pointed it out. What was it? I'm going to see if I can find it here very quickly. So that's someone did the math. 
14 and a half miles of track mm-hmm. that no one asked for, yeah, that, that no, no one's going to and use. don't even kind of want. They don't want stuff from the well, city going I, in. I can yeah. tell you right now, that's the people that I know that live in Eden Prairie, don't want this. they don't want yeah, this yeah, they don't, for they don't a want, lot of yep, different yep, reasons. Yep. But it's, they, and I've, I've preached this since since the beginning, they, they, they meaning the people, the, the Met Council, the people, that mm-hmm. the unelected bureaucrats that wanted this, were trying to build this for me. The, the guy that lives yep. in the Southwest Metro that works downtown, well, number one, it's going to take me two hours to go one way. Sure. That's not practical That's not for me. Yep. And number two, I don't want to ride this thing to work yep. Yep. because I don't want to smell like urine when I but get here. you know here. what they say, Reavers? Well, half of the funds are federal funds, so it's it's like free money. It's like, who do you think right. gave the funds to the federal government? So 14 and a half miles of track that nobody wants, that is, you ready? Yes. $3,100 per inch. inch. Wow. Of track. Wow. That is insane. Think of that. So uh, you guys had a nice conversation about the West 7th line where they wanted to oh, put yeah. streetcars back on West 7th. Yep. When that first came out, I, I lost my mind a little bit because I'm like, that can't be right. I wanted the, I, I, I think the number was like $80 million is what they wanted to spend yep. on this, this track down the middle. And I thought, wait, let me do the math. So I, I, I figured we could go out and buy like 500 black town cars. Right. Yep. Make make rides in those black town cars up and down West Seventh, absolutely free. Right. Mm-hmm. So every and it ended up like we'd spend like a million dollars, a million and a half dollars a year to finance the town cars, to put a guy in there to drive them and give people free rides, maybe on and off West Seventh by five miles they could get to the airport. We could have done that for a million dollars a year. So for the next and again my math is fat here, but for the next eighty years. We could have a road where you walk up, and how cool would that be to walk up to a road and say, oh, these these black limousines are for us. We can just take them up and down West 7th. We can go to bars here. What, how cool would this be, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you could jump on a stupid uh, car that they discontinued 100 years ago because it was dumb then, yep. right? but no one even had cars back then, and they, they want to send a streetcar down the middle. How cool would it be to have 100 or 500 town cars waiting for you at the beck and call to hop in and just take this town car anywhere you want. You won't even need 500. You need 100 of you them. You mean an evil, gas-guzzling town car? You could make them battery-powered. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, that was When that came out 10 years ago or 15 years ago, because they've been trying to do it forever, I, I think I even set that into my, my representative and said, hey, why don't we do this? Like, if we really want to make St. Paul something, this would make St. Paul something. If you wanted to be able to get anywhere in downtown St. Paul with a jumping into a limousine, oh, I want to go to the St. Paul Hotel, then I want to go to Excel Energy, and you just hopped into one of the 100 limos waiting there, wouldn't that be cool? It would be kind of cool. Yeah, it would be kind of cool. And it would be infinitely, infinitely cheaper than putting a trolley car down the middle of the road. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, I I do want to bring up one thing that's not government-related, since we've kind of been on a bit of a government tirade here. And I don't know how I feel about this, and I want to get your opinion. Um, But we all are familiar with an artist by the name of Prince, formerly known as Prince. Um, So... Apparently, it was announced that Prince's film, Purple Rain, 1984, is being adapted into a Broadway-style musical almost eight years after the artist's death. Well, number one, it's hard to believe that it's been eight years already. The news was shared by producer Oren Wolf, who announced yesterday that he's developing Purple Rain for the stage. 
However, Wolf gave no other indication as to where it may initially open, nor is there, well, it's got to open here, obviously, nor is there a date certain for production to get underway. Those who own the rights to the music catalog are said to be supportive of the production. The movie won the Academy Award for Best Original Song Score. Prince died of a drug overdose at Paisley Park in Chanhassen almost eight years ago at the age of 57. Two thoughts quickly that come to my mind is, number one, Prince would 100% be against this, right? But number two... I'm kind of mixed because I think we've had a bit of Prince overkill since mm-hmm. his passing. Mm-hmm. Just a bit. And I'm a Prince guy. Yep. I love, yep. I do yep. love Prince's music. Yep. If it's done right, though, I think this could be kind of cool. It could be kind of cool, right? You know what I it mean? It could be a, a new Hamilton, right? I mean, you know, in a sense, another sure. another fun musical that had a, a prominent figure at the lead. Sure. Um, I, I just think who would play Prince? That's tough. Because he's a one in a billion or right. one in five billion. Right. Who would play his girlfriend? How are they going to do the lake scene, the Lake Minnetonka scene? <laughs> right. Is he still going to drive one of those gold wings? Like, how are they going to do the motorcycle? There's so, a lot of questions. I kind of laughed at that gold wing. Remember that big gold one that he had? I see, and it's been a while. I did. Re- I do remember watching the movie shortly after he passed away, and I remember thinking, boy, this movie's not as good as I, as I remembered seeing it when I was a kid. It wasn't Sheena E. that was the... Sure. It was it? Okay. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, I think that is, it's all coming to me. But he, he drove something that looked like a Goldwing motorcycle. But it was like a Kawasaki with the big flares, the fairings up front with yeah. the big windshield. And he was such a little peanut, right? <laughs> he was just a little peanut <laughs> oh, of a guy. Oh, he's a widow guy. He was a little peanut. And I, every time I saw him on that motorcycle, I'm like, well, you got to be on your little tippy toes, right? You got to be on your tippy toes just in case it tips over. The best part for me in re-watching it, you know, again, what was, you know, eight years ago, whatever it was, or se- seven years ago, because it was after he passed away. But the thing for me was seeing the scenes again of the portions of Minneapolis that you could see from from the, the camera shots, which was extremely cool. You know, like seeing because yes. I don't remember Minneapolis in 1984. You know, I I, I have no I have no, no reference point. Okay. Yeah, because I I think the first time I ever came to Minneapolis was, you know, probably in the early night late 80s, early 90s. I have no idea. Anyway, I just so that part for me was kind of cool. Like, oh, look at that shot of you know First Ave and everything else that was around. His there. motorcycle was not a, a Goldwing. Oh, it, okay. It was a Prince's 1981 Honda Matic motorcycle. Oh, so I don't even really know what a Honda Matic motorcycle is, but it it looked cool. He looked cool in it, but. It, I I kind of laughed watching him hop up on that thing because I'm like that's kind of a big bike for a little guy, but big step ladder. Yeah, it was you know that would be cool. I'm for it. I like more Prince stuff. Uh, I, I tell that story often how I just didn't really get Prince because I was too close to the action. Right? He seemed like a local guy to me. Yeah. I didn't really understand that he was worldwide famous. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'll never forget. There was a great, um, I, I guess it would be a, a tweet, but it was it was after he died, and I remember that I, I've said this a hundred a hundred different times on various airwaves. But I said that was for me when we kind of peaked, and I think it's been downhill in downtown Minneapolis ever since then. So his death was our peak. No, no, no. Meaning <laughs> okay, just the downtown scene sure, because it was sure. a he died on a Thursday morning. I'll never mm-hmm. forget this because I was working downtown at the time on the weekends. And the the place that I was working at was kind of an upscale nightclub. Yep. And they said, hey, whoever wants to All work, on deck, yeah. we're opening up. Because it was normally only open on Friday and Saturday sure. night. But we opened Thursday night. And, of course, we all said, yes, I want to yeah. work, right? Yep. And so I remember Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, like, it was packed. Yeah. Everywhere was packed. People were in a celebratory mood. Like, it was just, it was cool. It was festive. And for me, it's always 
God, just I want my shift to get over so I can go mm-hmm. home and go to bed. But I remember not wanting to leave. Really? Like everyone yeah. went to First Ave yep. afterwards where they you know they that couldn't sell incredible. any more booze. Yep. Yep. But they were playing music until five, six o'clock in yep. the morning. Yeah, and it, I think it was cool. There was some drone footage of the people outside. Oh, yeah, it was unreal. Yeah, it was just so cool. It was really a sad event. Sure. Yeah, I didn't I didn't quite get them, but I'm in favor. I will I will go to that Broadway show. I, I think I would too. Yeah. Just just to and in fact it's funny because I still haven't done the tour of Paisley Park yet, even though I lived about two miles from there for a decade. Yeah, I, I, every time I drive by it, I think, what office building is that? I don't get it. Right. I'm like, did he live there? What, <laughs> right, what right. office portion did he live in? <laughs> Must have been cool on the inside. Anyway, Michael, thank you so much. Reavers, you're the best. Please do us a favor, rate and review the show wherever you happen to be listening to the Weekly Scramble. It helps us out tremendously, and we would certainly appreciate it. His name is Mike Fredoloni with Fredoloni's Hardware and Garden Stores. My name is Chris Reavers. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, cheers.